Hi, everybody. It's Dan Sullivan, and I'm here with Steve Grang for our next episode of the Free Zone Frontier. Steve, before we came on, we were chatting about, it's called the 25-Year Transformation. It's one of the quarterly books we've done, and it's just a great thing. I ask people what their biggest goals are, and I say, so what would it look like if you were consistently focused on that for the next 25 years? Every quarter, you would adjust and see how much progress you've made and then measure backwards where you were the previous quarter. What would that do for you? And people are all in agreement that it'd be like going through the locks of a canal, that every quarter the water would be higher or the water would be lower, depending on what direction. So it's a hundred lock canal system over the next 25 years. And I think the moment that people visualize it, it actually has some impact on their thinking. Yeah. You know, first of all, great to be with you as always, Dan. And I was describing this because I'm just coming on the 25 year mark of being a strategic coach this year. And when I had my birthday a couple of days ago, it was a really like every birthday, I think for people, you know, a moment of reflection. But now in my, I call it my mid early fifties because I'm smack in the middle at 53. But I think the idea that I can look back in a whole 25 year period, one of the most under, I think, appreciated, maybe even understated elements of the last 25 years is the quarterly rhythm that I've been on like clockwork, quite frankly, since the day I came into coach and the world's organized, you know, when you're young in semesters or grades in elementary school and then semesters in college and grad school. And when you come out into the real world of business, if you're in a public company, there's quarterly earnings and quarterly reports. But for private companies, it was a new introduction for me prior to us going public a year and a half after I joined coach. That idea of a quarterly framework just wasn't even in my consciousness. But what began in that moment was this idea of just stopping once every 90 days and reflecting and recalibrating. And the compounding of that effect 25 years later, it's not just the planning part of it that was done. It's like now looking back at what I achieved in 25 years and looking ahead for the next 25. But the quarterly compounding is pretty impactful when I look around me at my peers and I see a big difference in those that do this and those that don't. Just that one habit versus not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people just get into a sort of a long, unconscious marathon, you know. I think one of the issues is that consciousness is refreshing. Anytime you reflect and you go back and look at the recent past and you use the gap and gain concept that you don't see the quarter from a negative standpoint, but you see it from a positive standpoint. And you just pick out three things from a quarter. You know, I'm way ahead of where I was last quarter. I think your consciousness jumps. Your overall sense of who you are and what you are and where you're going just takes a jump. I'm very conscious of it because when I was 70, 2014, I set a goal that in the next 25 years, which would take me to 95, well, that would be a hundred quarters, and I was going to write a hundred small books. So I'm just finishing quarter 34, and we're just about putting our 34th book out to the printer. 
to get it back for the beginning of June. You're a third of the way there. <laughs> yeah, just past a third, as you've reflected, and I'm very pleased with your feedback on it. Over the last couple of books, I think I've broken through to a new level with the books. But we have a 10-person team that actually every person has a part of the book process. You know, we have an interviewer, we have someone who makes sure that the interview gets recorded and transcribed, and then it goes to a, a writer and an editor, and then we do an audio one, so we have an audio director, and we have a cartoonist, and we do the cartoonist, so there's this 10-person team, and they're in the rhythm. We have the five interview dates already scheduled in the calendar, and so it's a nice thing right at the center of all my other activities. I've got this steady every quarter producing a product. I find, and it's a little bit of, I think, my ADD, that if I don't produce something after a 90-day effort, I won't finish it. If it's not finished in 90 days, I'm not going to finish it. So I've tried to keep all my obligations and my commitments that we're going to have a beginning, a middle, and an end of the obligation or the commitment within a 90-day period. I think there's something powerful about that idea, not only for self-accountability, but it's kind of like getting on a ride or you know, the conveyor belt at the airport. That, like if you get on, you just end up somewhere else. There's something about the ride of a quarterly recalibration mm -hmm. and a 25-year framework for us. In Startup Health, we always talk about the problem that the entrepreneurs are trying to solve around healthcare. Many of them start off with a three to five year vision. And as soon as you stretch it out and say, what could happen if you actually work on this for the next 25 years? And I was oh, well, I mean, you know, and, and you start talking about it. And I, I know there's a saying about you, I think you underestimate what you can do in a long period of time and you overestimate what you can do in a short period of time. But you get on the ride, if you're on the ride of this 25 years and you have this quarterly, good things are bound to happen. But more importantly, it's just like putting on a black shirt every day. You're just taking care of it and it's happening and you don't have to think about it. It frees you up to do a lot of other things within that framework. But I think it's one of the most powerful, again, looking back 25 years now and looking forward 25 going, that's kind of chunked down into a what? 1% iteration every quarter. So you're getting to 100 quarters over 25 years, but- But it's compounding, so- But it's, it's compounding, that's right. That's right. It's not that you gain just 1% every quarter, you actually get more than 1%, and that increases because you have a compounding effect. The other thing is that you're both simplifying and multiplying during those 25 years. In other words, that every quarter you're saying, what am I doing that should not come forward? And that can be your own activities, that could be investments that you've been making, and it's not worth bringing them forward. The investments could be in technology. The investments could be in team members. The investments could be in clients or customers. And you clean up, but at the same time, you say, where are we getting our results? And you say, how could we multiply our best results during the next quarter? So I think there's a simplifying and multiplying that goes forward with that. It's why I think Moore's Law works so well for the microchip industry. And Gordon Moore always chuckled when people interviewed him on it. And he says, well, it's not a law. 
He said, it was just three data points that I noticed in 1965 that from the first data point to the second data point, the amount of computing we could do doubled and the cost of that computing halved. So it was a fourfold multiplier. And he said, I didn't notice it until we had the third data point and at between two and three, the computing power was two times and the cost was half. He just wrote an article and I asked a question. He says, I wonder how long this will persist as we develop this technology. And actually people didn't really respond to it at the time. It was an article. They didn't even have the word microchip back then. That was named in the early 70s. But then all of a sudden he knows people, well, Gordon Moore says there's a law here. <laughs> And <laughs> messiahs don't volunteer, they're drafted, you know, and he got drafted as this overriding visionary for the microchip industry. But nevertheless, people had fundamentally a two-year framework for planning their next improvement in technology. And then the rest of the industry geared its progress so much on the increased power of microchips, you know, the software industry and the rest of the hardware industry just started doing it. But that's how I think time got created in the first place. It was probably just the beginning. It was just sunrise to sunset. You know, it was dusk to dawn, and then there was sunrise to sunset. One day at a time. Yeah. Now, I got a feeling a lot of meetings were really missed in the old days. <laughs> but the framework of the quarterly rhythm and I, I want to come back to free zone because I think it's, you know, we talk about all the characteristics of, of free zoning and collaboration and a lot of the underpinning elements of what we talk about every quarter in free zone. That one that's not talked about is just the free zone of people who get together and recalibrate and those that don't. Like mm -hmm. just, are you in the rhythm or you're not? And I look across, we started in 2012, we're 11, 12 years in to starting up health, we have 470 companies in, we're exponentially growing our community now, but you really have some good data now about what's working, what's not working. And the entrepreneurs that are on that rhythm and those that aren't have a dramatically different result today. Mm -hmm. and even if it didn't all work out in the pace they wanted or the timing they wanted or the results they wanted yet, you just see those that have committed and those that have not. And it's kind of like just step one, but I'm wondering what you've noticed over the years in strategic coach, and maybe even as you've thought about the different community levels of coach from 10X and then in free zone, do you see a difference in those? Obviously you only see people every quarter, you know, from the framework, but even with the touch points now two to three times throughout the quarter, we need to maybe once a month check in on a connection call. Are you seeing those that you continually see every quarter, those that you see get different results than those that just go and put their head down and work and pick up every once in a while? Yeah, I think, first of all, you can very definitely see a separation between growth entrepreneurs and lifestyle entrepreneurs. Growth entrepreneurs want to see evidence of growth in important areas every quarter. Okay. They were here a quarter ago. They want to be here next quarter. Lifestyle entrepreneurs treat coach a bit like taking your car in for a quarterly tune-up. They really don't have any growth goals, but on the other hand, they find it crucial that they refresh themselves every 90 days. More and more, 
we're making it harder and harder for the lifestyle entrepreneurs to stay in the program. Yeah. And right from the beginning, the screening people, because I was telling my salespeople, who, you know, we've got about 14 in all centers, U.S., Canada, and the U.K., about 14 salespeople. And I says, I know you want a commission because you're paid on commission. But I said, there are some commissions that are good for you and not good for us. And the ones who are not good for us are just trying to get some organization and balance in their life. But they actually don't have any bigger goals than where they are right now. You know, that was cool for us 20, 25 years ago. But it's not cool for me right now that when someone comes in for their very first workshop for the signature program, I want them to have all the characteristics we're looking for for someone who's going to arrive at the free zone in two years or three years. Okay. I bet you're doing that with your all your startup health companies. Absolutely. What was acceptable five years ago is not acceptable today. Yeah. The interesting thing and the reason this quarterly reflections become such a big topic for me is because we recently announced the shift from Startup Health Academy to Health Transformer University, which is really a next level generation of our program. And it really happened in the markets change in 2018, 19, 20, 21, where the, you know, the availability of funding for startups and the kind of massive inflated values of startups put entrepreneurs in a position where they didn't have to do a lot of recalibration. They didn't think they had to do. They had free money. They had free money and didn't have a lot of commitment to the accountability, self-accountability, by the way, and measurement that a growth entrepreneur has every quarter. And I think people got a little sloppy with their commitment to the quarterly rhythm mm -hmm. that enables the recalibration, monthly commitment to showing up and connecting with their peer community. You know, we do a peer network circle, like a YPO forum. We have always had weekly office hours, but I feel like this idea of a quarterly rhythm and check-in on not just their mindset, but the snapshot of the metrics of their business, as well as what the you know ideal characteristics of an entrepreneur and startup help need. And we're getting a much better view of tightening those rules up, if you will, to not make it about us, about them, right? Hey, you know, if you're serious about achieving that moonshot and making the kind of progress, gotta be in the quarterly rhythm. And if you're not, then come back when you're ready, because that is one of the things when we look at the companies that have made the most progress that are making the most progress and are navigating the changing environment, they're treating every quarter just like a re it, no quarter is any worse or better than a quarter a year or two ago. They're simply a 90 day period and they have the same, you know, 90 days and 12 weeks and days to work when, and they're thinking about the achievement of whatever it is for that 90 day period in a very healthy way, just making that progress and that compounding effect is obvious, but we're seeing it very much as a identified habit you need to want to have. So you got to get it and you got to want it and you got to do it. Well, if you were creating some check boxes for proof that you're growing, so what would be some of the check boxes every quarter? Just staying within the framework of the quarterly checkup, you know, and you're going to have a hundred of them in 25 years. Yeah. 
Just starting with yourself, what would be, let's say, three crucial checkboxes where you could say, yes, this is better, this is better, and this is better? Yeah. Well, I think maintaining that transformational mindset and making sure that I stay in my visionary optimism kind of mode and the achievement and the success that we have is keeping me and my team and my orbit with aligned mindset. So it's my mindset, it's my team's mindset, it's my partners and anybody around me, but just a mindset check-in. I do it every quarter, every week, every day, but that consciousness is a really important place to check in for every entrepreneur, not just the beginning and the end of every quarter, but hopefully throughout the quarter, but at least once a quarter, checking in where that is and making sure that you're not slipping into a pessimistic or a frustrated or a failure mode. Yeah, I think one thing is, and I was just thinking about this, that when we went through COVID, of course, we had significant numbers of clients who dropped out. And dropped out, I mean, they said, you know, I'm not going to do the workshop on Zoom. And I can't travel, so there's no workshops. So I'm just going to take time off until the live workshops come back again. And all of them did works over the two years. Yep. I mean, the ones that came back, they said, I wish I hadn't taken the two years off. Yep. But all the ones who were as steady with Zoom as they had been with the, the live workshops. In other words, there was a full-day quarterly workshop. And then a lot of them took advantage of the new connection calls that we did, and we put six of them between each 90-day workshop and 90-day workshop. There were six of them. And I had some people who did everything, and they had fantastic two years. Yeah. So much so that they said, you know, I feel almost embarrassed to say it, but I hope this COVID thing doesn't end too soon. <laughs> you, know? Well, you know, it's created, I think, situations like COVID, by the way, you know, you could take any market disruption in the momentum, 2008, COVID, 9-11, the recent banking debacle a couple of months ago. And you look and say, entrepreneurs that are able to weather the storm, if you will, and just recalibrate in the wave of that roller coaster, fare better. And it's again, part of the ride, not going to change the habit. I think it's interesting you saw that within coach. We've seen that in startup health community as well. I see it in my peers outside of oh, yeah. health communities. And again, maybe it's being in my mid or early fifties, but I noticed peers of mine who, you know, 10, 20, 30 years of not doing that. And you see what their life looks like. We're getting really old. <laughs> well, you know, you're seeing the weathering of their life differently, if you will. Yeah. You know, and the quality of relationships that result from that, you know, the growth of their, you know, personal achievement, professional achievement, all that stuff, I think, takes a hit. Yeah. Just a little note for you that when you're two years older, sometime between your next birthday and the one after that, you will have spent more than half your life in strategic coach. <laughs> yeah, well, I think some of the value of, I think, that habit established back in my late 20s, I'm just saying, like, I just do a quarterly recalibration. I don't, you know, and, and I don't, again, I, you can't appreciate it when you start it. I don't think I did. 
you could definitely appreciate it now 25 years later. And then like they said, looking around and looking at what my ambition looks like for the next 25 years. And I think I am planning for significantly, I think I've had a great, first of all, 25 years, you know, amazing 25 years, but I think my next 25 are going to be better. Yeah. And the foundation of what I can achieve. When you have your next 25 years, you'll be a year younger than I am now. <laughs> Not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've always laid the tracks for me right in front of me, Dan. Thank you. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because, wow, it's crazy. You were my age when I started coach. So you go back to the question, you know, I think, what are the checkboxes that accordingly recalibration? So the mindset check-in is one thing. The plan, let's call it the plan the measurement of progress and the celebration of the wins. Mm -hmm. Another big component of that quarterly check-in, right? Can I celebrate the wins of the last 90 days? Can I plan and measure the progress I've made over the last 90 and then plan ahead for the next 90? And, you know, this goes back to goal cultivator. I think one of the first modules was this notion of 25, 10, Three one ninety. It was like this cascading from 25 years, which was very broad vision, right? Even a mission. And then you kind of do a snapshot three years from now, then one year from now, and then 90 days from now. I forget <laughs> what that one module was called, but it was in the beginning of Goal Cultivator. And that snapshot's been locked for me. That what is that refresh? Hey, let me look out. I do, you know, 25, 10, 3, 1, 90. Every 90 days, I'm looking at that. No, the only things that change every 90 are the 90 ones, but there's something that happens in your head, in your mind, I should say, when you look and keep looking at the 25, 10, 3, even you just look out just to recalibrate. I'm not working on any of that. I'm just working on the next 90. But so that quarterly recalibration mm -hmm. of mindset and then your quarterly snapshot of your measurables of your own progress, big, big impact. Yeah, what I get out of that is... That kind of thought structure has to be developed. It doesn't happen naturally, you know, so you have to work at it. It's like muscle. You've created time muscles. And my feeling is that that's why every human being is unique, is because I think everybody creates different kinds of time structures in their brain. That's all they are, right? They're just structures because they're, you know, yeah, they're, they're structures, but you're actually creating synapses where there's a natural tendency for your thought to go to this framework. Like I was noticing, we just submitted last Monday to the Patent Bureau 22 patents of coach, and we have 28 identified that the 22 and 28 will all be submitted in the 12 month period between April and April. And I let Kathy and Shannon actually be the choosers of the tools because they're dealing with them all the time in a way that I'm not. I'm dealing with new tools that I'm creating, but I'm not dealing with 90% of the tools that lie in the past, but they're still being used at some point in the program, and they've stood up to the test of time. But I was just reflecting as we were going through the list how much I have structures in my brain for each one of those tools, you know, and where earlier in my career, I would be within the framework of one of my tools, and then I would be distracted from something from the outside, 
Now when I'm in a tool and I get distracted, it's another tool that's distracting me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're all cousins. They're all <laughs> relatives. And I find that a great achievement, actually. You know, it was like when I first started thinking my lifetime extender. I said, the first goal is, can I make this a normal thought in three years? How long will it take me in the future to make this a normal thought? And it took me three years. You normalize it? You mean yeah, normalize it. Yeah. How long? It took me three years from 87 to 90, 1987 to 1990. And ever since then, so this is 33 years, whenever I think of my lifetime, I think of that number. And it has a profound impact. And I'm sure my productive 70s, where I am right now, has come about because it's not the end of my life. For most people, their 70s, they're closing in on the end of their life. And for me, I wasn't even halfway yet in terms of that, the structure that I've laid out. Yeah. There's a mindset check-in, big part of it. There's this snapshot check-in. No, I was thinking of a tool yeah. based yeah. on our conversation today. Yeah. And then the, the last piece, just to bookend it, is this check in on what I would call your readiness and your confidence about what it is you're working on. And for me, there's a bunch of building blocks, you know, mission and mindset, rhythm and progress are two of them. But the relationships that I have around me, I take a great deal of pride in the curation of the notion of the batteries included versus batteries not included is one element. So is being around people whose unique abilities complement mine. But I think of this image of a target and there's, of course, you know, I put me in the middle, but then when you go out each ring from there, I've got my team, but I've got now there's investors and customers and partners and different people in the orbit. There's board members, advisors, there's different stakeholders. And what I've noticed is the alignment of mindset and the alignment of that plan needs to be consistent throughout. And so being religiously strict with not letting people into that orbit that don't belong, like let the system reject it. I used to be me who rejected it. Now I think my team has gotten that muscle to know there's somebody batteries not included entering, or there's somebody in mm-hmm. changed their mindset and they're now longer batteries included. But being able to make sure that you build an orbit of relationships around you at every level that lets you stay in that zone and be in that zone and not even entertain conversations or relationships that don't align with you. Again, I think in your late 20s, when you evaluate that radically different than when you evaluate it a couple of decades later, family and lots of other things, and you start to realize it sounds almost impossible at 27 to do that. I now sit at 53 saying very possible and important and actually another one of those understated things like a quarterly recalibration makes a big difference. It's who you hang out with, you spend your time with, and who you allow into your orbit. Yeah, because any kind of review of that, you're thinking about your thinking. You know, you're thinking about how you're thinking about things. And I think all creativity and decisiveness really comes about thinking about your thinking. One of the things, going back to the quarterly rhythm, my feeling is that If you miss a quarter, you'll notice at the end of the missed quarter, which is now two quarters, 
you're much more susceptible to external forces than you were when you were doing it every quarter. Okay. You're more and more reinforcing being your own center of influence with the quarterly review. But if you miss it, things outside of you become the force. So many moons ago, Dan, we talked about the importance of free days and recalibrating and rejuvenating in a free day. And so I know every entrepreneur picks a different rhythm for their free days. For me, it's been weekends, every weekend off since 1998 or 99, whenever, you know, I think it probably took me a couple quarters to do it. I started with one day and then two days, but like, I not only have done it now since the beginning of coach, but my team at Startup Health and the entrepreneurs in Startup Health, like for me, it's like a vacation every week, right? You get two days to rejuvenate. But what I found is putting aside the two days off about noon on Friday, which is coming up in a couple hours here, no big decisions get made because now four and a half days into my work week, the susceptibility, going back to your point of missing a quarter of it, it feels the same as a Friday afternoon decision, right? Don't make any big life-changing decisions because on Monday morning, it's gonna feel radically different. And I think mm -hmm. your point about the quarterly recalibration and what you become susceptible to is the same as what kind of poor thinking decision-making you might do at two or three or four o'clock on a Friday afternoon about something that feels a lot like a bigger deal than it might be because it's Friday afternoon versus Monday morning. So mm -hmm. I think there is this element of my quarterly rhythm also has an element of weekly rhythms. And just like before you go on vacation, you try to get a lot done, but you don't try to make any big decisions. I think there's some element of this rhythm that just plays such an important role mm -hmm. in helping the right habits. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up a very active life until my was 30 from the standpoint of weekly religion. I grew up Roman Catholic and you went to mass at least once a week. And then there were holy days and everything else. If you just depart from the religious aspect of it, just that your weeks were formed and, you know, you had an hour in church and, you know, there were prayers, there was singing, but mostly you were just reflecting, you know, you were kind of reflecting and then there were messages from the priest, you know, the, you know, various readings and then a sermon and everything else. And I'm always enormously supportive in strategic coach of anybody being involved in the religion of their choice or the religion of their inheritance, as the case may be. And the reason is because I think Two things about it is that I think it's a rhythm. You use the word rhythm to start the podcast, but it's a rhythm and you're part of a community and the messages are about two subjects, morality and ethics for the most part, that are not discussed, I think discussed less and less in general society, okay? And it's almost like you're part of the past if you're bringing up moral and ethical issues, okay? But what I realized when I was 30, that I had created all sorts of time structures that no longer required my weekly religious activities, okay? And I was finding too many of the priests who were talking to us, I felt they should come to me for advice. <laughs> You know, they seem troubled. They seem confused, you know, 
This was the beginning of the 1970s. My mother asked me about that once because she was very devout. I said, you know, the last 10 priests I've met, they should come to me for advice. I said, they seem profoundly lonely. I suspect a lot of them are alcoholic. They seem lost. So I don't feel like being preached at by people who have those qualities. <laughs> and uh, Anyway, but it's that regularity. I think it's that regularity, quite apart if you move back from it. And the other thing that I encourage that type of thing is that there's always at the middle of any country, there's a core in the center of the governmental structures that's really totalitarian. And that's totally true in totalitarian countries where it's manifested itself throughout the society. But there's always this tendency at the core of totalitarianism. And what I mean by totalitarianism, they want each individual to have only one relationship, and that relationship is with the government. Okay, They don't want any other government, and religion and family life and community life, these are buffers and mediations between the individual and that tendency in government to want to totalize people's lives. So I don't care what religion it is. It's a buffer organization, like EO is a yep. Yep. buffering organization where people can talk about things freely. But I'm noticing with technology available for surveilling people, and we now know that the former government officials were thick and heavy inside the social media organizations and everything, and they want to know what people are thinking and what people are communicating about. I just want to create as many buffers as possible between the individual and whoever those individuals are. Yeah. I think the systems, the rituals, the rhythms, I like how you talked about maybe relating to your weekly visit to church or any kind of thing where it's like, this ritualistic kind of thing where you, you're doing something, whether it's personal headspace, whether it's religious, whether it's for business, like you said, you found a different sense of self once you got to a certain age with your entrepreneurship. I think just to put a bookend on this conversation around the importance of just the habit and the commitment you're making to yourself, to your company, to your family, to your relationships, to your life, by just either being committed to it or not, period. And I think, like I said, when I started, it's one of those things, you know, people are always think about like, well, what are you doing in a workshop? Or what do you do? It's like, it doesn't matter. I am showing up. <laughs> and half the battle is just having it in your calendar and doing it and showing up. And sometimes you show up with a lot of intentionality and sometimes you're just scraping by to get there, but you're showing up and you always feel better afterwards. The time it took you to get here was valuable time and the time it's going to take you to get back to where you are. And I noticed that the people who come from Australia are much better prepared for the workshops and they're much better clear about what they're going to delegate when they get back home than people who live 15 minutes away. And the other thing, they stay for the full workshop where the people who live 15 minutes away oftentimes arrive late in the morning and leave early in the afternoon. Yeah. You know, I've been a part of YPO almost as long as I've been a part of Strategic Coach. And the monthly forum, 
you know, is another ritual of commitment. Mm -hmm. Second Tuesday of every month, I have the same group of entrepreneurs I've been meeting with. And you also see that evolve over time where you see who has the habits of a coach and being in a coaching environment and actually being coachable and having the quarterly recalibration. But one of the things I've noticed is those that show up every single meeting on time, stay till the end, don't sit on their phone and don't phone it in, if you will, mentally, are the most successful. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just monetarily successful. You look at their relationships and you look at their life overall. Yeah. And people might look and go, oh, well, they have the financial success to do that. Or they have, and the point is- Oh, they have the financial success because those are habits. And so it's like, I've watched these entrepreneurs from when they were younger, from when they had nothing, and the habits are the same. It's like the habits when they had no money, the habits the way, the habits before they had relationship, the habits after, like the before and after does not look different. Their commitment level was. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, another one of those cause and effect. People like to attribute certain people's behaviors and habits to, they have the whole team they can take off a day. It's not like that. It's not like that. Those are whether you have the financial wherewithal, whether you have the freedom, whether you, it doesn't matter. It's like you're committed to showing up and being present for that workshop, that session, that event. Yeah. Yeah. It was very interesting that you brought up the topic of the 25 years today because I'm on a four or five month marketing schedule where I get invited to outside podcasts and I'm, maybe in a quarter I'll have six or seven or I've agreed to be on someone. But for two quarters, I'm saying, I only want to talk about our new book 10 times as easier than two times. Okay. Yeah. And some of the times they've been seminars, so there's an audience there. And I said, I only want to talk to audiences who've bought the book and read the book. So I had one last Friday where it was somebody, it was a group of 300 that was on a Zoom call and all 300 had read the book and all 300 of them had bought 50 books to send out to other people. And that was their qualification to have me be a guest. So I just started, you know, my part of the presentation and I said, this is just the greatest audience I've ever talked to. And I said, first of all, I know you're totally motivated for me to be here because those were the conditions. Yeah. And really great questions, but somebody asked the question, you know, like two times goals puts pressure on me. I feel if I have a 10 times goal, it puts more pressure on me. And then I said, well, it's not the goal that puts the pressure on you. It's actually your deadline for achieving the goal. Entrepreneurs don't drive themselves crazy with their goals. They drive themselves crazy with their deadlines. Yeah. 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 So I said, I'm just going to share an experience I had. I was talking to somebody and I said, I'd just like you to do something. Is this your best revenue year? Like the last 12 months, is this your best revenue year? And he said, yeah, actually it is. And I says, okay, I want you to take that number that you've just achieved and I want you to multiply it by 10. And it was really weird because he said, multiply it by 10. I can't achieve that in three years. And I said, Well, I only said multiply the number by 10. You're the one who added the three years. I said, why did you add the three years? And I went back to the question afterwards, but I said, 
actually, I'm going to give you 25 years to do it. You can go 10 times in 25 years. And he said, 25 years? I don't need 25 years to go 10 times. And I said, oh, really? How many do you need? And he said, I can do it in 15. I said, wow, isn't that great? You get 10 times result, and you get 10 years change. What would you do with the extra 10 years? And he said, I'd do it again. I said, wait a minute. Before, you were objecting to going 10 times, and now you just had a goal for 100 times. I said, what screws you up is the deadlines that you put on your thinking. You know, yeah. And I said, can I tell you why you do that? And the reason is there's a lot of other problems in your life that you're not dealing with. And so having an outrageous goal that just drives you every day is sort of a fix that keeps you from having to think about other things in your life that you have to take care of. Then the other thing, as I said, you're doing it because you're trying to get away from something in your past. And you're not heading towards something great in the future. You're trying to get away from something negative in your past. And it was a very fruitful conversation from that standpoint. There's something really interesting about locking a quarter or locking a week as a framework and asking the question, not how long is it going to take to do that, but what can you do within a given period? Yep. So we have this new software we're using called Rome. It's phenomenal. It's R-O-A-M. And it's basically taking remote office to the next level for companies like yours, which has multiple offices plus people remote for mine, which is fully remote. It creates a visual workplace to feel like we're all together in one office. And they've combined the best of Zoom, the best of Slack and the best of conferencing in a very pleasant new way of kind of working. Mm. We started using it, got instant productivity gains. I'm off Zoom now, except for a couple of external calls. We're moving everything over to Rome outside of Zoom. But what I'm actually getting at is every Wednesday, there is a new release of the software. Sometimes there's 14 bullets of improvements. Sometimes there's three, sometimes there's one. But every single Wednesday, there releasing. <laughs> What's fascinating is we've been on the, it since the early January. So it's going on a little over three months. That's like 14 weeks of improvements we've watched. The product is transformed in 14 weeks, right? But there, I'm sure, is a roadmap behind. No, I'm sure. I know there is a roadmap. The roadmap probably is not much further than a couple weeks out in terms of details, but there's probably a long-term roadmap. But the interesting thing is you just know being on Rome three months from now or six months is going to be infinitely better. Mm -hmm. And I bring this up because I think that if you commit to shipping every week or you commit to recalibrating every quarter, it might be two quarters to get something done. It might be three quarters to get that goal to your point done. But the idea is what can you do to measure it every 90 days or every week? Yeah. And I think there's something back to your own psychological framework for everybody to be in that rhythm and to commit to staying come hell or high wood or every Wednesday we're releasing or every 90 days we're recalibrating for the next night. Yeah. Centuries ago when you didn't have the frequency of change, people had 
enormous number of rituals and structures that they built into their life. They were seasonal, they were religious, they were political, they were community events and everything. But that was done for you from the outside. So you didn't really choose those structures. You were just born into the structures and you grew up into the structures. And I think that what the Industrial Revolution and especially its technological component has done, it's fractured all those structures that people had. So that basically 365 days a year can be work days. 24 hours a day can be a work day. There's no separations and timeouts or anything except the ones that you impose yourself. And I think entrepreneurs have an advantage there because they decided to depart from most of the structures of your economic lifetime very, very early in life. And so that they're very, very open to finding new ways of structuring because they've taken responsibility for their economic future. So you're talking about this. If you talk to a corporate executive about Rome, they'd say, oh, no, that's just going to screw up all of our existing structures. And so they'll stick with dysfunctional things because they have a pattern to them. There's a rhythm to our dysfunction. There's a rhythm to our mediocrity. You know, <laughs> that feels good. You know, it's Newton's second law. That which is in motion tends to stay in motion until stopped by the outside. My sense is if you look at who the long-time users or the most engaged users of this new software or the new app, my sense is that they will be people whose activity is entrepreneurial. They themselves are creating new things. Yep. Yep. And they feel a kindred spirit with a software that updates itself every week. Yeah. And it works both ways, by the way. There's people who don't like that and they're like, ah, oh, I keep saying I got to install every Wednesday and upgrade. I'm like, you don't get how beautiful that is. Again, but it repels the people mm -hmm. also. It doesn't just attract. It's an interesting thing. So I just want to be mindful of time. Yeah. What's your biggest insight from the conversation so we can bookend this and start another episode? Now I'm going to go back and revisit this. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take three main points that I got from the conversation and I'm going to put it in the triple play and see if I can come up with a new thinking tool that updates the 25-year framework. I love it. I love it. Well, I appreciated the conversation and the thinking that I've been doing around the quarterly recalibration for entrepreneurs and startup health and for myself is built on this notion of almost feeling like I can restart my effort every 90 days, which is a lot of fun. I say restart, meaning recalibrate and plan. And, you know, we're at the beginning of Q2 2023 right now. And my visionary optimism for the quarter is without a doubt, a thousand times more clear to me. And I have more confidence around it than I did, you know, three years ago, five years ago, or 15 years ago. But um, bookending what I said from the beginning, yeah, just celebrating my 53rd, now being in coach 25 years, I think it's exciting to think about the next 25. And what I have a deep amount of gratitude to you for, Dan, is the habit of doing this from my mid late 20s to my early mid 50s. Mm -hmm. Always love being with you. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Take care. Thank you.